Timothy, 1 Timothy at the moment, and it's Paul's letter to Timothy to the advice of his church, and David and uh, Pete uh, have shared it over the last couple of weeks. Now, Pete knocked us a little bit out of sync because I wanted to deal with chapter 2 specifically, so I got him to start chapter 3, and now we're going back to chapter 2, and you'll see why as we go through it. And, uh, and so this is Paul writing to his young charge, his spiritual son, Timothy, to talk to him about how God wants to work within the life of the church because the church of Ephesus, which is where Timothy was based, had lots of stuff happening, lots of troubles, lots of issues going through the life of the church. And, and we've been sharing a few things, but to, tonight I want to concentrate on the power of prayer and, and, and Paul's encouragement to Timothy to keep uh, prayer going and prayer alive within the life of the church. When I've been thinking about prayer, I've been, I've been amazed that one, that, that there is a part of us that gives up on prayer a little bit too easy. And I'm going, what is it about prayer that makes us give up on it a little bit you know, too easy. And as I started to reflect on it, I started to reflect on, on the power of words. And we've all had words spoken over our life, both good words and bad words, that have either cut us hard to the core or have liberated and spurred us on. Um, most of us have had someone say in the playground at school or someone... We're early in our life, something that has stayed with us and has, has carried on. I was speaking to my brother uh, on Friday, he's down from Sydney, and we're talking about my nan, and my nan's been uh, passed away for a good uh, almost 20 years, I reckon, and, uh, and we're just talking about nan because I just wanted to know some stories, and he goes, nan messed me up. I was, what do you mean my Nana messed you up? He goes, Nana would tell me ghost stories and I am still petrified to this day. He's older than me. And he goes, I'm still petrified of the stories that Nana taught, told me. So sometimes it doesn't just have to be a word to say, you know, you're not good enough or whatever. Sometimes it's just a story that stays with us and lingers with us and somehow confines us because there's power in words and but there's also power to release power to restore most of us have done something significant in our life because someone has given us words of encouragement to do it we've had a coach or a teacher or a parent or a grandparent go you can do that you're good enough you can make that work go for it and we get spurred on and this is what Proverbs says, Proverbs 12, 18. It says this. Thanks. Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, and we've all been there. But wisely spoken words can heal. There's great power in words and, and what they can do in our life. And, and we see that through Scripture. Even at the very beginning, God creates the world through the power of a word. It says God spoke 
and it came into being. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be separation between the waters, and there was. There was power in the spoken word. And just as we can speak to each other and bring life to each other, or we can bring harm to each other, there is something when we come to the spoken word in prayer that shifts the spiritual realm, that does something. And when I, when I come to think about prayer, I say, why don't we take the understanding that there is power in words and believe it when it comes to prayer? John Wesley, who's the founder of the Methodist Church, and that's all the way down through our heritage, says this. It says, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. Let me say that again. God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. There was a sense that John Wesley knew that, that if we want God to answer prayer, we've got to pray it. And if we're not praying it, then God's not doing it. Now, I'm not saying that God's a, a fairy godmother or Father Christmas and you just ask and it's going to be given to you every little whim. But I am saying that when it comes to us praying and as we speak the word and as we ask God to intervene, there is some power there to bring healing and to bring blessing and to change the atmosphere. And maybe you, like me from time to time, can struggle with prayer. And we feel like when we're praying, our prayers are hitting the ceiling and falling down to the ground. We're, 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 we're praying, but it just, there just seems no connection. It seems dry. Maybe, like me, you've, you've been praying and praying and praying and you're not seeing any change. The, the same thing seems to be happening and we go is it really worth it maybe at times like me you go is it really worth it does it do anything or is it pointless well Paul to Timothy wants to say it is worth it I'm going to read you uh, the first part of um, 1 Timothy chapter 2 it's from the, uh, the contemporary English version because it made the most, uh, most sense. I'm going to read the first part because that's the point that Paul's going to really wants to make. And I'm going to read the second part, which is the controversial part. And, uh, and we're going to see if we can make it make sense for us. He says, first of all, I ask you to pray for everyone. Well, that kind of means... Everyone, doesn't it? Just means, you know. And and I've been practicing this. Everyone, as I've been driving around the neighbourhood, as I see people, instead of looking at them and going, "Oh, they look a bit bogan," or "or they look this," or "they look that," what I, what I've started to do is say, "God, why can't your gospel reach that person?" As I'm going by, I go, "Lord, why can't they be in our church?" As I'm, as I'm driving around, I'm looking at people and go, them, Lord, why not them? I pray that you'll bless them. And, and it's changing me 
as I'm doing this. It's been quite fascinating that, that as, as I've been praying for everyone that I start to see, it, it shifts my vision. And I want to encourage you, Paul's saying, don't give up on prayer, pray for everyone. Ask God to help and bless them and tell God how thankful you are for each and every one of them. Now, I like that. Other translations have, you know, uh, pray with supplication and thanksgiving and all that. I love that because there is something in the power of blessing that stops you from judging. And there is something about being thankful that makes a difference in people's lives. So don't just do that. Pray for kings and others in power so that we may live quiet and peaceful lives in the worship as we worship and honour God. So we've got to pray, not just for everyone we meet, but we've got to pray for our government and pray for those people in power over us and ask that God blesses them. Now I've got friends on all kinds of political persuasions and, and I get all kinds of messages about how this person is no good and how the Prime Minister prayed at Hillsong and, uh, and how dare he pray at Hillsong when he's got people in refugee camps and why can't he do, do some justice about that. And all I've just started to do now is just started to put 1 Timothy 2.2 in the Facebook comments feed because it says, pray. Get upset, but get upset in prayer. Cry out for justice, but cry out for justice in prayer. Come to God and pray for them. Because as we do, it says that we'll live a quiet life. It will change something in our nation. We'll explore that a little bit later in a minute. Number three, this kind of prayer is good and it pleases God our Saviour. So if you want to know what kind of prayer God wants you to pray, pray a prayer of blessing over everyone, including your leaders. That's good. God digs it. We should be into it. Yeah? So... God wants everyone to be saved and to know the whole truth, which is there is only one God and Christ Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. Jesus was truly human and he gave himself to rescue all of us. God showed us this at the right time. This is why God chose me to be a preacher and an apostle of the good news. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. God sent me to teach the Gentiles about faith and truth. So here we have Paul letting Timothy know what the main point is. And the main point is that as a church, we should be a church that is praying. Who for? Everyone. For what reason? So that everyone will know that God wants them to be saved and loved and in the family of God. That's the point. Should anyone be left out? Not at all. Who should be prayed for? Everyone. So that the truth should be known that Jesus came to die for our sins to bring us back to God. That's the point of being church. There are other points, but that's the one that Paul wants Timothy to focus on. Pray so that people will come to know you. 
And I'd be so bold to say that every one of you is in this room because someone has prayed for you. Someone. Maybe great Auntie May. I don't know, that was just a Spider-Man reference. It might be, might be Grandma. It might be Grandpa. It might be your neighbour. It might be the old lady that shouts at cats down the, la- down the road. I don't know who's praying for you. I know that I'm praying for my grandson now and I'm not just praying for him but I'm praying for his children and his children. I'm praying already for the generations that I don't even know about because I want them to love and serve the Lord. And someone's prayed for you that you will know this truth that Jesus came to die for your sins to bring you back to God. Someone did it or someone is doing it. And Paul wants us to be a church that keeps on praying and keeps on asking for God to move in people's lives. That we keep on blessing people with asking God to reveal himself to them. And if, and if John Wesley is right, that God does not move with, without us praying, then if we're not asking God to bring people into relationship with him, That's on us. So he asks us to bless people, not just to have carefree lives or stress-free lives or nothing bad will ever happen. He's not asking us to to pray for a blessing on people that, that justice will be done, even though that's important. He's asking it so that all people, all people can be saved. So our prayers, when we pray, when we ask, need to to be focused on the fact that our prayers God will use to change people's hearts and our prayers can be used to change our world. If the word is powerful and we're bringing that word before God and God is amplifying it, imagine what we could do. This is what Proverbs 11 says. It says, A city is lifted up by the blessing of the upright. Do you want to hear that again? A city is lifted up by the blessing of the upright. That means the ones who love God, if we're not just praying for ourselves, but we want to bless our community, this community of powerful gardens, if we bless it as the upright, God will do a work in this community. God will lift it up. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Now, we like to take control of that and go, well, we've got to do stuff. No, no, he's saying that as you bless, it will be lifted up. It is a spiritual thing that when we as the people of God pray and bless, God reacts. God will change worlds and change hearts. And this is the prize that Paul wants us to keep our eyes on. That prayer is powerful. That prayer does change things. Blessing does change people. Pray and keep on praying. Pray and keep on praying. And asking God to do a work. And then he says this. And we're going to read from verses 8 to 15. 
therefore. Now, I'll put it in brackets because this translation didn't have the word therefore in it, but it's in the Greek, so I put it back because I'm a scholar and I can do that because I'm smart. Therefore, I want everyone, and that's a bad translation, it is actually the male, and it is men. So I I put that in brackets too, because I'm smart and I can do that. To lift innocent hands towards heaven and pray without being angry or arguing with each other. So let's just stop there. The eye on the prize is to pray and to bless to ask God to move in our our lives and the lives of the community. It says, therefore, don't go about arguing or getting angry. So what's happening within the life of the church? Men are uh, coming before God angry and arguing that they think they know better. And the whole lifting up of the hands was a cultural thing, but it was a cultural thing that symbolised in the temple cult of purity and so it's right to say innocent hands or pure hands come before God with pure hands pure heart saying God here I am don't come angry don't come arguing and don't we at the church sometimes get caught up in arguments that we don't need to be caught up in and we get upset about things that we shouldn't get upset about but there is something at play that makes us want to do it Paul is drawing back, the point is to be a a place of prayer and blessing, not a place of anger and arguing. And so he goes on in verse 9, I would like women, and yes, it's not everyone, it's women, to wear modest and sensible clothes. They should not have fancy hairdos or wear expensive clothes or put on jewellery made of gold or pearls. Now what would happen in this era, particularly in the Roman, uh, the Roman world, uh, in, in the world of Ephesus, is that women would wear gold jewellery in their hair and in their clothes to show their status. And Paul's saying, don't do that. If the, if the prize is to bless, if the if the prize is to pray that God will change the world, don't puff yourself up. Don't make yourself think that you can have a higher status in the church community because of what you wear. Just don't do it. And he goes on, and you'll love this one. Women who claim to love God should be helpful should do helpful things for others. They should learn by being quiet and paying attention. Thanks. They should be silent and not allowed to teach or to tell men what to do. After all, Adam was created before Eve and uh, and the man Adam wasn't the one who was fooled, it was the woman Eve who was completely fooled and sinned. But women will be saved by having children if they stay faithful, loving, holy and modest. That's the controversial bit, if you hadn't picked it up. So let me explain what this is saying. In the uh, Ephesians, in the town of of, uh, Ephesus, there was the temple cult called Diana, and that was the main religion of that town. And all the religious leaders of that cult were women, 
actually women who had gold braids in their hair and were high statures. They, uh, high, high statured women, rich women. And they'll keep the cult alive and they'll keep the religion alive. And so when they came to faith, they would come to faith, this is what scholars think, and, and start taking on leadership roles without really knowing what the faith was about. They would just assume by their status and by their history that they should be teaching within the life of the church. And Paul going, hang on a minute. Come and, come and learn quietly. And don't you start thinking that you're more superior than someone else because of your status in the other religion. And so, and so he's saying, I, I, I don't want you to teach. I want you to learn quietly. In fact, if you want to know a reason why you're not more superior than men, well, let me, let me go to Genesis 3. And he talks about Adam and Eve. And then, uh, sorry, and so if we look at the three things that we've got going on there, he's going, so therefore, keep your eyes on the prize, therefore, don't get angry, don't argue. Don't lift yourself up in status by what you wear. Don't speak down on other people. Now this verse. But the women will be saved by having children. Well, the Greek is a little bit messy around all these verses. That's why it's so controversial. But how you could read this also, and for me, this is what makes the most sense. Because really we know that women don't get saved by childbirth at all. That's not Paul's theology. But it can be read this way. But the women will be saved by the birth of the child. Okay? And that is a reference back to Genesis 3 again. When Adam and Eve fall, there's a prophecy that's given. And you can look it up if you like. And it says, you will bear a son and your son will stomp on the head of the serpent and the serpent will bite his heel. So if you know your scriptures, you'll know that one. And that's a, a, a Masoretic prophecy. It's a prophecy of Jesus. That, that the Son of God will be born and he will stomp on the devil and the devil will nip at his heel. And so if you take it by that, he's saying the eye and the prize is blessing and praying. Don't argue, don't grumble, don't get angry, don't lift yourself up, don't push other people down because everyone's going to get saved through the Christ child. That's the best I can do with that text. We know that um, Paul is not talking about denying women the right to teach in church. Because when we look at the broader picture of Scripture, there's one other verse that he talks about women in leadership, but there's a whole lot of other verses that bring counter-arguments to this. So we have Romans, uh, sorry, Acts 18, where Priscilla takes Apollos, who's an apostle, off to one side and teaches him. We have Romans um, 16, which has a list of, uh, of greetings at the end, and one of them is to a female who is seen as an apostle. 
We have Galatians 3.28 that says that in Christ there is not Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. There's lots of things around it. The one that I like the most, well, there's a couple, but I like Deborah in the Old Testament who leads the Israels to freedom as a judge in the book of Judges. So when you take the big picture of it, you can say, well, Paul is speaking to the situation here at Ephesus. And he's saying, therefore, do not take your eyes off the prize. Don't argue with pointless arguments. Don't puff yourself up with a high social status. Don't think that you're smarter and that you can push other people down. Remember that we're all saved through the Christ child. And we've got to remember that we're all here because someone prayed for us. That our prayers, when spoken out loud, are powerful in the spiritual realm. And that's what Paul wants us to concentrate on. So I've got a few things that I want you to do when it comes to prayer. I want you to ask boldly. I prefer you to pray a prayer and get it wrong than to not pray at all. Uh, I'll keep on saying it until I can't say it anymore. It's our job to pray. It's God's job to answer. So just pray. Ask boldly. Ask for stuff that's beyond your reach. If you think that God is calling you to do it, then pray boldly. Ask boldly. Bless. Let me do that again. Bless broadly. Don't hold your blessing to just people you like. Bless everyone. Be a, be a person that wants to bless the community which you find yourself in. Ask God to bless them. Bless them with his presence, with the understanding of who he is, that he loves them, that he's for them. Challenge the culture. This is what Paul said, pray for your leaders so that we can live in peace. Don't accept the way Australia is. If you believe God wants it to be another way, then don't go burning your undies at a protest march. You can do that if you want, but I'd encourage you more to say, God, bless our leaders and bless our nature. Change their heart, change their mind if it's not what you want. More can be done with prayer than what can be done with social action. And develop clarity. And, and this I just want to encourage you to stay focused and not give up that prayer is powerful. That prayer can change things. That God's at work through the words that you pray. And now you're praying and nothing's happening. My advice to you is keep praying. Keep praying until something happens. And then pray some more. Because God will use it one way or another. So will you stand with me? There's two people I want to talk to in the room tonight. I want to talk to the people in this room who've been praying and praying and praying and you've given up praying. 
that you want to be you want to be a deep prayer but you've just lost your heart for it and and if that's you i just want to put and you want that to change then i just want you to put your hands together out in front of you as a sign because i believe that god wants to renew you and refresh you in the attitude of prayer it's easy to give up it's easy to feel like it's not working but we've got to get back to a point of saying god i I need you to do something. And the other people in the room, is that if you've got a heart that you want to see, God bless your community, bless this community, see people come to faith. We had someone come to faith this morning. We had someone come to faith last Wednesday. We keep on asking, God will keep on doing. And if you want to join me and the staff in praying in that way to see people come into a relationship with God, I just want you to hold your hands out in front of you as a sign that you want to enter into this. And we're going to pray together. So hands together if you want an injection of enthusiasm again to pray. And if you want to join me on the blessing journey, put your hands out in front of you. Let's pray. Loving God, I pray for those people whose hearts have been hardened to the power of prayer through disappointment through grief and through, um, and through struggle, Lord. And Lord, um, I just pray for them now that you will renew their heart, renew their, their love to bring what's on their hearts to you. Lord, for those of us who have really struggled with prayer, forgive us for giving up. And pour your spirit out upon us again, Lord, and renew us and refresh us. That we can get back to the point of knowing that you are bigger and that you have things in control and that you will work things out. So, Lord, give us an enthusiasm again to pray. Give us an enthusiasm to know that our words are not pointless, but they have power. And Lord, for those who've got their hands out in front, who, who want to join us on, on the, the prayer of blessing our communities and indeed this congregation, Lord, will you give them enthusiasm as well to wake up every morning and say, God, who can I bless this morning? That we be people who pray for our community and pray for this community, that we'll see more and more people experience your love and grace. So, Lord, pour your spirit out upon them, anoint them, and bless them. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.